Great. Well, amen. Isn't it a beautiful day? Okay, so talk about Indiana. This is like the best 30 days. The 15 before today, 15 after. I can't guarantee anything after that, but I'll just say right now, we're in good days. Hopefully, you're enjoying it. Um, today, the scripture is going to be a repeat. Can you say repeat? Okay, good. Um, and so I'm going to read the same thing that I read last week, but I'm going to read it again this week. And what I want you to do while I'm reading it is last week I asked you to do what? Think about the older brother's perspective. Today, what I'm going to ask you to do is think about the father's perspective. And so today, that's your challenge. I want you to look at this scripture as we read it together as the body of believers. I want you to think about the father, what the father is doing. And I want you to think about two things, what the father is saying and what the father is not saying. Because sometimes we do a lot more by what we don't say than by what we do say. And so if you've got your Bibles, obviously we're going to be in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And once you have that, if you would, please stand for the reading of God's word this morning. <clears throat> Remember, these are the words of Jesus. Also, don't forget that there's two groups being spoken to here. Last week we covered it, 15 uh, verse 1. We're looking at tax collectors and sinners Pharisees and scribes, two different groups. And then I need you to understand that this parable is a father that steps in. Remember, Jesus stepped in and he deals with his adult children, tax collectors and sinners, Pharisees and scribes. And here's where we come to in verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered. And I would say right here is a point where most of us would say a lot should have been said, but very little was said. All he had and took a journey into a far country. And there the younger son squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. It sounds exciting, right? To feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, I love that. When he finally came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven first, key there, and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Church, this is a beautiful moment. This is a moment where he says, I'm not worthy. Just, just treat me as your lowest servant and let me come back. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and immediately felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Think about the humility in this. But the father said to his servants, again, father didn't say anything didn't acknowledge remember you got to think about what's not being said here what did he do he turned to his servants and began to call them and so he turned to his servants bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate this is great for this my son was dead and is alive 
Again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older son was angry and refused to go to his father. So, now, this is where we get this, this parable confused. The father went running after the younger son. The father turned around and went after his older son. Come on now, church. His father came out and entreated, meaning went out and began to call for him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, and he was lost and is found. God, today we ask. God, I just pray today that you would take me out of the picture, and God, that you would just bring your word in such power and might that we would go out and understand these words these words are huge they're so important it's important for us to understand what was said and what wasn't said and so in the name of jesus we come against the enemy god we pray today lord that your spirit would reign and that each person in this room no matter their age would receive the word and then begin to live it out we come against the enemy in the name of jesus we just pray in your power and might that you would just bind him and cast him out and let this place be free for your spirit to move we honor you we praise you we thank you for being the gracious heavenly father that you are and we thank you for the example set in these words and god let us live them out as we head out this afternoon in jesus name amen and all god's people said amen amen all right all right so it's important okay can you say it's important to know that this father is an adult dealing with adult children. Do any of you have an adult child? Okay, you know they're still your child, right? Did you know that? Come on now, we all know that. And if you have grandkids, they become your children too, and so you just got children upon children. Uh, let me share something else with you as well. If you don't have a child here today, you're still a parent. And I've said this twice, and I'm going to say it for the third time just because it means a lot to me, but yesterday got to wed Hannah and Chris, and we had our first reception in here, and it had dancing. Ah, uh, yay. Okay, it wasn't like booty dancing. You know, it wasn't booty dancing, but it was dancing. Manuel says you can dance, you just can't booty dance, and it wasn't any of that. So anyway, um, it was a big step for us. But okay, get over it. Don't let the enemy get you bound up. But anyway, um, I was lost, but I'm found. Okay, I figured it out where I was going with that. <coughs> See, the thing is, oftentimes, a lot of the scriptures, we say, well, I'm not a dad. I don't need to listen to that. I'm not a mom. I don't need to listen to that. This is bigger than that. Actually, what this is, is Jesus saying to sinners and tax collectors, Pharisees, and, so basically the church and the non-church, which means everybody, here's where I'm going to step in, and here's how I'm going to do it. And so here we see an adult father step in in this world. And so what it means is yesterday, Hannah and Chris, and, and Hannah faithfully, you very rarely see her because she's up working in preschool and she gets here at 8.30 before everybody gets here. And most of the time they're here and you don't see them because they leave at 1 after they've cleaned everything up. In fact, lately, many of them cannot even come to one of the services that we offer because there's so many children, so they stay up there. 
So my, my Hazel, which is my five-year-old, okay, she often says that her, she's going to see her best friend, which is Hannah, who got married yesterday, a young lady who she considers to be the world. And so at home, she talks about what Hannah said, what she calls her best friend. And so church, whether you like it or not, we are all spiritual fathers and mothers. Some of us are physical fathers and mothers but it's important to know that today the word is for all of you because all of you are having some type of impact on a person that is around you. And so keep that in mind as we head into the scriptures today. And uh, fatherhood is best described through this and through these eyes. And if you have adult children, it's like a perfect picture of how to handle them. And interestingly enough, this father had to deal with three R's. Can you say R? R, not our or our, wait, our. Oh, it's R, like just R, okay? The three R's, you know what the three R's are? They are rebellion. So this father had to deal with the spirit of rebellion. Two types of rebellion, we're going to talk about it. This father also had to deal with the spirit of rivalry. Y'all know about rivalries, right? Or you don't. Colts and like, and then, uh, you know, Anderson and, you know what I mean? It's just how it works. Okay. And then this father also had to deal with the spirit of repentance. And this father dealt with it really well. All right, let's just start somewhere. And so we're going to start with the spirit of rebellion. Now, I, I would probably beg to say that every one of us, at some point, no matter how, how good a church kid you were, at some point you've done what? Been rebellious, okay? And, and I think at some point you've recognized rebellion in somebody else okay and so this father had to deal with rebellion now if you really keep the whole picture in mind you recognize that jesus had to step in and deal with rebellion of the whole world so really this this parable is like a huge look at how he came in and said okay one side and the other side i'm here for both of you let's settle things i'm here to show grace here to bring you back let's work on it i'm here for all but the, the spirit of rebellion was unleashed a long time before that. It was unleashed in the garden. And then if you know the way the Bible kind of progresses, the spirit of rebellion was released in the children of Adam and Eve. And we see Cain and Abel and that just horrific moment. We see the jealousy, we see the rage, we see the rebellion. And at some point, most of us have rebelled. You know, rebellion usually leads us to what? Dangerous places. Unknown places. Places where outcomes are unsure. Places where outcomes don't sit in the seat of the throne room. They sit in a seat that is very dangerous. And so we know that even the smallest form of rebellion is really important to be dealt with. And so this father as an adult dad dealt with rebellion here's the other thing and something that i need to do better at um, is fathers must deal with rebellion before it gets out of control so let, let me share with you what that means and this is something that my wife would say i need to work on right okay and so i'm just being totally honest because sometimes i can be a real flake and then sometimes i'm the opposite and it's like i probably need to be in the middle do you know what i'm saying like most of us say middle's good um, but anyway there is a story, it's right here, it's off the internet, heard it a long time ago, and um, thought I would bring it into this, and it's about elephants. Y'all like elephants? 
I love elephants. They're like, if I want to ride them. And like, remember back when we went to the circus and you could ride them? Like, if my parents would let me ride them now, that's all over. But anyway, I rode an elephant and I loved it. Um, but I want to tell you just a little true story. You can look it up online. I'm not going to use the, because I can't actually say the parks. But anyway, there's a national park in South Africa. And then there's a national park that's in the northern part of Africa and another country. Um, both national parks um, have the heart and mission. And you've probably heard this years ago um, to help save elephants. Well, the southern part, okay, got to the point where they had about 200 elephants, which was more than the park could handle financially, meaning feeding, taking care of, rangers caring for. And so they decided that there was a park in northern Africa in another country where that park could handle the additional elephants. So they set up and built a harness specifically to carry these elephants, which is incredible, through helicopter. And come to find out the helicopters could handle um, all the elephants and the harnesses of the females and the male and, and female bull children, okay? So basically the babies and the mamas. And so they weren't able to carry in the harness the adult bull males, the heaviest of them all, right? And so anyway, they transferred all of the females and all of the babies. Kind of cute, right? Can you imagine like hanging in the helicopter? It's like for real, okay? It's like super adorable. I would want to like hug them when they got there. But anyway, um, three weeks in, this is a true story. This is how God set us up. Three weeks in, the park was having devastating things happening. Animals were being killed. They didn't know how. So they began to up their security, which they couldn't really afford. And they began to wonder what was happening because animals were being killed. And all of a sudden, the white rhinos, which are also going extinct, okay, they began to be killed. And so immediately they knew that it couldn't be people. Why? Because nothing was taken meaning the, all the stuff was still there and the entirety of the white rhinos was left. So they put up video cameras and they began to video and come to find out if you understand the life cycle of um, males and young bulls, their hormones and testosterone hit a level and during that season, they would go out in little herds as little babies with the, you know, you know teenage, they go through. Anyway, they would go out and they would just destroy animals, kill them, play with them. Like they were killing these rhinos as a group, stabbing them and just became out of control. Park didn't know what to do. They tried a bit, bunch of things, and then someone, one of the rangers said, I think the only way to do this without getting rid of them is to go get the, the dad. If you understand elephants well, they are kind of a family unit, so what did they do? They began to construct a harness that could do that, beefed up the helicopter, went down, and began to bring the adult bull males into, two weeks later, not one more animal died. And they watched it on video. The minute they would begin to go out, the adult males got up, took care of it, and within two weeks, all of that testosterone became. I'll tell you a story from my childhood to kind of relate to this. Um, I just have one brother, and we fought a lot and, like, physically fought. That's why I'm not really into fighting now. And after getting out of the army, I said, enough. And so um, I do remember in those teenage years, we were both really close in age, we were outside one day, and we had really gotten into it like worse than ever, and I had taken a huge tree limb, like a tree limb, and knocked my brother in his head, and I mean like bleeding everywhere. He still has a scar to today, so you can wonder why he barely wants to talk to me. Anyway, I'm just kidding. He does, but um, I, I just remember my mom saying, it's time for dad to get involved, and, and it's like when dad got involved, things changed, and he adjusted us after that event. 
I'll just use the word adjusted. Is that good? You ever get adjusted at the chiropractor? Okay. We'll just act like it was that. He adjusted us. And then after that event, when my mom would say, I'm going to call dad, what happened? And you know what? Praise God he did. Because we were out of control. And I mean like physically. We needed a dad to come in and say, hey, this isn't how you work things out. When you get mad, you don't take a tree limb in because what if you really... And I remember after the adjustment, the explanation. See, back then it was adjustment, explanation, instead of explanation. Like right now, I do explanation and adjustment, right? All right, we can't really interpret that, so that's good, because we're online. Um, But here's what I want to say. This is different. But what I'm saying to you, men, as you sit here today, you play a role, and this, this goes against some of what society is saying, but I'm telling you that as men, God has gifted us with the ability to bring peace. Those adult, bull, male elephants needed to be brought into the picture to bring peace, or the next peace moment was going to be letting those babies go because they were losing the white rhinos, which they were already losing, and they couldn't afford to lose anymore. And see, church, if we as men don't stand up and set the standard and stop the rebellion when they're young— then the gracious Heavenly Father is probably going to have to come in and do what he did in this picture. So that was Joe theology. Now we're back to, are you, are you good with that? All right, you all look like you're like. So what does God the Father do with rebellion? When you rebel from the Father, the faith, and the family, you will find yourself stripped of everything you once held sacred. Well, well what do you mean? Well, the Father had to do with, deal with two types of rebellion. One was, the younger son went out, he was enticed, he was drawn in, he was further drawn in, he was dropped, left alone, came to himself, realized there was nowhere else to go but back to the father. That's one kind of rebellion. There was another kind of rebellion, which was the, I'm better. I can't believe you. Why didn't you? I saw it coming. See, that was the other rebellion that he had to deal with. And so, how did he deal with it? Let's talk about it for a second. Can you all picture a farmhouse? Micah, can you picture one? All right, good. Um, I'm just messing. Picture a farmhouse, big, big porch, two really nice rocking chairs with a cushion. You know what I'm saying? They need a cushion because those things are hard. They look comfy. They ain't comfy. Get you a cushion. You know what I'm saying? Put that cushion down. And just imagine this, okay? A dad rocking in the rocking chair. Mom's taking care of everything. Every once in a while you go in and you check on things and you're, you're sitting in the rocking chair and you're reading a book. And every once in a while, because something's on your heart, every once in a while you look above the book and, <clears throat> and across the house of your, your farmhouse is just a big old field that just goes on and on and on. And you can see the sun setting and it's like purple and it's red and it's just beautiful, right? And every, every about 10 minutes you, you get to the next chapter and you look down and say, yep. You go in for dinner, you go do your chores, you get back, you sit in the rocking chair. All your spare time is spent going back to that rocking chair looking at the... And then one day, as you're reading, and you look up, something's in the distance. Interestingly enough, you you can't make out any kind of form, you can't see the facial expression. It's too far away, but you see the walk. You know, my children, there's something about it. When Indy's coming... I don't have to see her. I know she's coming because I know her walk. And so the book begins to fall because the father begins to see the walk. He doesn't see the face. He doesn't see the size, but he sees the walk. 
He jumps up, opens the door, says, Honey, he's back. And in his old age, he jumps the fence and begins to run to the field. And all of a sudden, it's no longer just a walk. He begins to see his face that he once held. He begins to see the cheeks and the form and the arms. And, the, and as he gets there, all he can do is embrace. Church, this parable tells us who God the Father is. He's a great and patient Father. He waited and waited, but guess what? You and I were always on his mind. Yeah, he, he does other things, but every time he got a chance, you know what he did? He looked and waited. So that when the horizon broke and the form started to come forward, he'd be ready. So what did the father do with his adult child in his rebellion? He had a love that waited, and he had a love that watched. Let's talk about, don't forget that because we're going to go back to it. Let's talk about the spirit of rivalry. Well, we kind of put this into society. You know that? Like, we think like it's a new thing. It's not a new thing. And rivalry does what? It does a couple of things, okay? Like, if you're in sports, it's good, right? Because you want to beat the other team. There's a big rivalry. Every year it's going to happen. Twice a year, yada, yada. You get all involved in it, excited. You know, Pendleton Anderson, whoever it is, okay? In, in my town, it was like Vineland, Millville. We had big rivalries in our youth group. There was like four different churches represented. We'd be yelling at each other Friday night. Sunday, we'd be running the hallways together. Okay, that's how it should be, because in church we should lay all those things down, no matter where you're from, who you are, we lay it down and we just... But, interestingly enough, there was kind of an unknown rivalry going on in the hearts and minds of, especially with the older son. And so sometimes they're healthy, but sometimes they're not. The worst thing a father can do, right, is set rivalries among their children. Now y'all are about to get really, because this is going to hit home. Okay, you ready for this? Think about these statements. Why aren't you like your big brother? Why can't you be a little bit more like your sister? Why can't you be like our other pastor? You know, you don't teach the same as the, the teacher I had last year. You know, she really, you know, he really. How come you're not as smart as your older brother? How come you aren't as good as him in sports? How come you seem to just keep on, but they... Now, let's just be honest, right? Most of us could say at some point our parents set up in our hearts and our mind a rivalry that we didn't even know they were doing. Well, you know, she really turned out, but you, I just don't know. When are you going to get it together? I mean, she's already done this and this and this, or he's already, but you just keep on. It's happening right now. It's happening on the streets around us. It's happening in our families. It's happening in our language. It's happening in our government. It's happening in our workplaces. We're pitting and setting people against each other. So let's talk about the Father in this, in this parable. I love it. I don't do it well, but I love it. Son comes, comes back. You know what he does? Well, you know what? Your older brother, he's been here the whole time. He's been working. He's been, where have you been? Can you believe it? Where's my money? What did you do with it? Now, come on now. All of you have heard that. 
Then we get back to, as the father, we get back to the, the older brother, and he says, you know, he's just done this, this, and this, and I, well, you know, you're right, son. You are so right. He has just taken our money and just wasted it, but let's love him anyway. If you'll just, just let it go, hold on to it, let's talk about it later, right now, let's just celebrate, and let's pray, it doesn't do it again. Tell me that isn't true. Tell me it doesn't happen. But, this father, this father set peace. This father never pit each of them against one another. You know what he did? The younger son said, I'm not worried that it be your. He didn't even acknowledge that he said it. He turned to his servant and said, get everything ready. Get him a ring, get him a feast, get him a robe, get him sandals. He looks a mess. Look, he can't walk in those. Go get him the fit that he needs and let's take care of him. He goes back to the older brother. The older brother says, I can't believe it. You just didn't. And what does he say? He says, you can always be at my table. He didn't say, you know, you're right. He didn't say he was wrong. That, that, We've got we to admit that. He never said you're lying. He never said you ain't right. He didn't say that. But was it worth this forgiving father to say, you know, you're right. You should be mad at him for that. But let's praise him anyway. Instead, the father didn't acknowledge either of the son's sayings. He just said, come on in. And then he turned around and said, all mine is yours. Let's live at peace. He took complaining and he celebrated. He took grievances and he showed grace. Interestingly enough, the father actually went looking for the older brother. All right. Third thing and last thing, and you can say amen. Oh, you don't want to? That's good. You don't want to go eat? Okay, all right. We won't go eat. Um, third thing, the father had to deal with the spirit of repentance. A father must know how to deal with the spirit of repentance. This is how God the Father trusts us, okay? Here's the deal. You ready for this? Okay, someone you love let's just not say someone you love is like genuinely like i don't even deserve to be called your son i don't even deserve to be your friend i don't even deserve to be your and you know what we do thank goodness you came to your senses you ever hear that before come on now you know your grandmother sometimes once in a while said and she probably needed to right well you finally realized i was right all along you ever like ask for forgiveness and then they say well I was right all along anyway that really helps doesn't it because they already know that because it actually says in the scripture he did what he came to himself he already felt the guilt he already was in the pig pen you don't need to put him back in the pig pen he was already there and you know what God didn't give us the right to put him back in the pig pen have you learned your lesson isn't it tempting when somebody really comes to their senses and you want to say, have you learned your lesson? You know, all that does is make them have to relearn another lesson, and that is how to forgive you. Well, let's see how long this lasts, honey. Come on now. Let's see how long this lasts. You know how many times I've heard this in church? It doesn't make me sick. What does it matter? If at some point, but Jesus never told us to say, well, get prepared for when they 
mess up again. He didn't say to the servant, listen, get him new shoes. Don't get him the best because he may go running again and I may need them. So just get the, you know, get the image. I use the one. Oh, it's on the left. I use those ones. Get those. He said, no, get what best fits him. You know how likely it is when someone lavishes like that that somebody on the second time is going to go in. You know why people are running from the church? Because when they get back, we say things like, is the ceiling falling? Maybe it should fall on you. That happened in this church. I know I shouldn't be saying that. That's probably gossip. But it's just truth. When people repent and say it's time to get back to Jesus, we need to just... All right. Because you know what? At some point you had to at some point you were over the at some point you were in the backyard at some point you needed a God to come say and so if you needed it then why can't they have it and if you're the avenue that's going to restrict that then get your heart with the heart of the father the father's heart finds a way Unconditional love means we love our children for who they are, not what they have done. The father had not allowed a root of bitterness to invade and infest his heart. He still had love to share. The father's heart finds a way. Think about this. Imagine, you know, sharing with a non-believer or sharing with somebody who's come to the end of themselves and, and you share this story and like this be the ending. How tragic it would have been if the prodigal had come home to a bitter, lifeless... Think about it. A bitter, lifeless, unforgiving father. What if? Some of you have landed there. Some of you with people some of you with your actual dads. And man, what if that was the gospel message we had for people? Well, you're going to be forgiven, but let me tell you, he's going to be a little bitter. There ain't going to be much life offered until you prove yourself. And the forgiveness will come in time. What kind of gospel message would that be? His love was stronger than his fear that the son would return to his old ways. You know why we say those things? You know why we do those things? A lot of times, it isn't about. You're excited about it deep down in your heart, but you're also afraid they're gonna. And so to protect yourself, you start saying things because you wanna just get it out. Listen, I mean, it's good, but like, you're probably gonna do it again, and so I'm just gonna prepare myself now so you're basically living in fear and the Lord says don't live in fear and so it doesn't make any sense to just live in the moment. Live in the celebration. Get out of the backyard. Get to the table. See what happens at the table. See what happens when you really get in. You really share. You really receive. The father never disagreed with his elder son but did not join him in his grumbling. Because what kind of testimony of Jesus would that have been? Not one that I would stand today and say. The father listened, he heard, and then he spoke wisdom. And he said, you have everything I have. And it was fitting to share. So everything he's given to me, it's fitting to share to 
final, final thought. There's not a slide for it. How, how would you take this, this parable, these three parables, put them together, understand the audiences, and understand this adult father? And I would say that, gracious. I would say the definition of this father is gracious. And, and here's the definition of that in relation to this. Treating people better than they deserve. Treating people better than they deserve. Because you know what? The older son did work harder. You know what? The younger son did squander. But you know what? In the bigger picture, does either matter? Does the problem you have at work, at school, in your... Does it really matter in the big scheme? Does it really matter in eternity? You probably need to say, you know what? No, it doesn't. I better just... And let him come in. Because this parable was gracious. This parable treated people better than they deserve to be treated. Are you ready to treat people better than they deserve to be treated? Because if so, that means Jesus is a working on you. That means this father that really represents Jesus is going to come in and change the world one relationship at a time. God, we thank you for this word. And God, most of all today, we thank you for your graciousness towards us. The graciousness that was not deserved, that was not earned, but we get to receive and embrace in fullness and wholeness. We love you so much, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Don't forget, we got a lot happening this week. Tomorrow night, if you want to learn more about Olivet Nazarene University here, 7 o'clock. Yes, be here. Luna at night is Friday for our young people. I ain't young no more, but you all be here. Next Sunday after this service, you're going to get to eat for free, let your kids play. And so we hope that you'll join us for all that's coming up this summer. We love and appreciate you. God bless you. Make sure to get your children, okay? That's coming from the children. <laughs>